Hey guys, it's Wham. I guess Nick is really distraught today. We watched The Graduate this week. Um, also, I'm back in uh, Texas. I'm Nick. I'm Nolan. What the fuck is up, guys? I'm so excited for this movie. It was great. I peaked like crazy. <laughs> you peaked mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, edit. Welcome to Wham. Uh, episode six. Like Welcome I said, we watched Wham, The Graduate. Uh, <laughs> overall, I mean, where do we really start? I guess. Uh, well, I just want to talk a little bit about like the plot of this yeah, movie. No this is known as one of the classics of the seventies. Um, sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. That's 60s. basically. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the seventies. Three years off. It's legal. Man, two thousand nine was basically two thousand twelve. <laughs> Anyway, um... What was the difference between 2009 and 2012? God. Okay, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, okay, so in 1967, this movie comes out. It stars Dustin Hoffman. I don't remember any of the other names. Uh, soundtrack by Simon and Garfunkel. Um, it's sort of a movie about this man who recently graduated college and got some big reward. He seems aimless in life, and then his, uh, his mom's yeah, it's friend... his parents' friend's which is Mrs. Robinson, hits on him. They end up sleeping together, and he's conflicted about that, and then he falls in love with Mrs. Robinson's daughter, and uh, chaos ensues. Yeah, and um, uh, this movie, it was really funny. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I love the comedy. It was really, like, dry funny. It was um, dry funny. But I think the, A, lack of music, and then, B, the only music being Simon and Garfunkel really hurt the <laughs> i didn't it j- just for the for the movie standpoint yeah i didn't it didn't fit with so many things in the movie and there were so many mm-hmm. points where it just felt like we were playing this because this is all we had <laughs> and like it's guys <laughs> we, we just paid for simon and garfunkel we have to use it <laughs> that's definitely what it was to me that gives it some charm uh i will say there's better fitting music to be put over these scenes but I think this is around the time where that wasn't perfected unless you had a standard orchestra with you. What they tried to do in this is something different. They tried to reach out to a, a younger uh, general audience with this, especially since this is sort of a counterculture movie. In some sense, Simon and Garfunkel was really sort of attached to the hippie movement. And they thought we could get a ton of hippies in here if we just got them to write and then perform the soundtrack. A, yeah, I mean, it for the for the demographic being the graduate, mm-hmm. like for just getting college students in that age range. I mean, they did it. They did that right. Yeah, and I'm sure, like all the, I mean, the branding was like a woman like pulling up stockings. Like, that's, yeah, you know, it's gonna get people running in through the door. This is uh, this is their times uh equivalent to grown ups too. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> that's not good. No. That's grown what ups, raunchy was in the sixties. Grown Ups Two was not like a, <laughs> not like a whole a good, uh, what a keystone of cinema. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't think the deer stealing that wife's bra was like important. To... I don't know what list you've been on, but it's always it's this. It's The Godfather, mm. Parasite, yeah. Grown Ups Two. See, I thought it was fucking. Um, Moonfall. I don't know. <laughs> it's Moonfall. Moonfall. Nut Job Two. <laughs> Grown yeah, ups too. Job what were we? What did we say last? Oh yeah, soundtrack. we were talking about the music. Um, yeah, just overall. I mean, like at the end when um, let's say, when tensions were rising and everything, and mm-hmm. he was like speeding around, 
it it was just fucking simon and garfunkel and like it just didn't it didn't fit at all whatsoever no it didn't. and it just it, it took the wind out of my sails for a lot of the movie mm-hmm. but aside from the music i really enjoyed it i mean aside from the music you did enjoy it but i need to emphasize how much just loud here your hatred for the music was i hated the music a lot when he's uh there's a scene where he's going after elaine which is mrs robinson's daughter at her college and he's just trying to find her throughout it and try to catch up to her while uh, she's kind of avoiding him and there's a pause in music and then it always goes back to the same song scarborough fair and every time it was sort of like nick's in pain nick's like disintegrating in front of me and then the music would stop and he would have a minute to catch his breath and then it would go back and you could see him sink in his chair in disappointment it was so it just hurt it was like i was just getting stabbed it just wasn't okay at all man um i think i think this movie did suffer from some pacing problems but i can't i can't point at where but yeah, it just right. feels overall like a lot of things were slightly dragged out and it was just i mean i think this was the time where a lot of movies were literally just people were having a conversation more mm-hmm. than like it was a story about something that could happen in real life versus like a made-up story kind of yeah, thing it was this is a uh, it was more realistic than movie i guess this is pre-blockbuster mm-hmm. since yeah. most people say jaws was the first yeah exactly um, um and so because of that it's a lot of it it's just um not necessarily i wasn't even bored it was it was just it wasn't keeping my attention i guess necessarily yeah i guess i was interested and i wanted and i wanted to know what was happening and what mm. would happen to the characters but i just didn't it was just a little slow i guess i'll say i think the main part of that that gets us is we're not used to that much in between space and what i mean by that is there's scenes where there's talking we're learning stuff about the plot and we're interacting with these characters and then there's in between scenes that sort of establishes the tone there's him driving. Uh, there's him driving to these locations, especially uh, because there's a big emphasis on his beautiful foreign car. There's. It's the, not. It's a Alfa Romeo Bean. It looks so. What do you mean? Oh, I love it. It looks like an oval. I mean, it does look like an oval, <laughs> um, but I love my ovals. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of emphasis. I didn't think about that. There was just a lot of him fucking driving around. Mm-hmm. Um, where you you saw him going to the places a lot. Yeah, and which then, I didn't think about. But yeah. And then this also was established established with montages, especially once we establish his connection to the affair with Mrs. Robinson. Right as we establish that they've started a relationship, we see a large montage of him either at a hotel having sex with her, or he's at his pool sort of aimlessly floating around. Yeah, like kind of daydreaming about having sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> daydreaming and sort of just like... it's. Well, how do you, what do you think he's thinking in that? Because I don't think I have the same opinion as you. I think he was just, he was thinking about, um, I think he was having like his little inner conflict, um, with helping this woman cheat on her husband, Mm -hmm. Mrs. Robinson. Um, but at the same time having the like, whatever, fresh out of college, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever, this cougar is chasing him. Like, this is sick kind of feeling, (laughs) I guess. Because I can't, I, I, he was, yeah, like when he jumped in the pool in one of those scenes, he was had like a big old goofy smile on his face. And that's what made me think that. And then it would cut immediately from like him in the pool like that or him like leaning back to the night again. Mm -hmm. So it made me think that he was like just picturing about the night in his head and it just happened to be we, 
Oh, and that's where we had all the really great transitions with the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, every time we would get to uh, either location, it would have him lying his head against something that was the same fabric, or was yeah, like was, charcoal gray. Yeah, it was like it was like a bed uh, headboard, and then like a pillow, and it was like three or four times. We um, would do a zoom in of his face, yeah. and then once you cut to the next shot, he's still on that sort of fabric, but yeah. he's now at a new location. Yeah, so he hasn't moved it. It was really, really seamless. I love for it. the age of the film too. That's really impressive because mm-hmm. that's like that. At that point, that is art because they have to go frame by frame and yeah. literally like look at this physical piece of film and match it up. Versus now, I mean, we of course we can do it on our computers, mm-hmm. but I think that's a whole different. I don't know if they. Thing. I don't know if they necessarily transition by fading it. I think. I think it was just a hard cut. Yeah, I think it was hard cuts. It yeah. was literally just uh, they hey, lined up. Perfect. We're gonna, you're gonna imagine he's in this location because that's what we just showed you, and then we're gonna trick you. And it's gonna be a different place. Yeah, exactly. I think, but it was really, it was just done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think, I, I don't remember why this movie specifically was like the whatever film class go watch this for homework movie. Yeah, I think it was for the camera work. I it might have been it for feels the camera like, work. I think it's. I don't. I think a lot of people point to this as a sign of the times, because this is around the time where, um, oh my God, Miss Kathy, my professor in film history class, would be so angry at me now that I don't have this memorized. Don't name drop your teachers. That's weird. As I hell. love Miss Kathy. That's don't don't name don't. That's weird as hell. Don't name drop. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. I don't. Just for like just for like people, you shouldn't. Uh, you okay. shouldn't do that. Um, your teacher at school. If you met her, you know she's okay with that, but it's okay. Um, this is around the time where we see movies start to, uh, I guess, divide themselves. They're not just striving for a general audience. This is one of the first um, like niche films. This is for one audience directly. I'd I say. don't think this is niche at all. No, not like super it's niche. About an affair. No, I know it's about an affair, but what I'm saying is this isn't necessarily a film that's trying to uh, market itself to everyone. I think this is a film that's trying to get that college audience, trying to get that, like, what, whatever reveling was in the 60s. Film uh, film before that point, it wasn't general audience. It was just adult audience. There just wasn't a market for a lot of kids. Like, uh, westerns were really huge, spaghetti westerns, yeah. specifically. I'd say they um, were pretty... They weren't for kids, though. They were for, like, they, they were for adults. I could have sworn that the reason that the... Uh that the main censorship thing before uh, our the system we have now was sort of made because film was seen as such a family-oriented um, medium around the uh, 40s. I'm not sure, though. I did. I got an A in that class, but if I, if I say I remember any of it, I'm lying. Uh, I think another big thing, I do think it is a cinematography. What's your favorite shot from My favorite shot in the movie, because I think I, I think you know mine, because I was dying during it, because I loved it. I don't remember. Mm. Uh, really, the, I mean, like the one with him in the whole scuba suit. That's funny, but like <laughs> I think one of my favorites was just um, when he was talking to Elaine and like drenched wet and panicking, trying to explain about the woman oh, he's having yeah. an affair with. And then blurry in the background, his mother, uh, Elaine's mother, kind of peeks in the door, the woman, Mrs. Robinson, he's having an affair with. 
Um, and then it shifts focus to her. Elaine turn, turns around, mm-hmm. goes, oh, my God. The mother leaves. Elaine slowly comes back into focus. And then it all paints pictures. She kicks them out. That, uh, that, that was incredible. That it was, was it really, really, really well done. I love it. Was, I didn't even see it coming. It was yeah. great. My favorite shot was the one with the monkey. The monkey? Oh, the sad <laughs> monkey? or the or, Well, the, yeah, the, the happy monkeys or the sad ape? Okay, I, I love the sad ape. So okay. there's a shot in it where he's... Or the bored ape, if you will. We're not... I mean, I'll, I'll charge you a dollar, but you can say it if you want. If any if any NFT wants to st- sponsor uh, us, please um, please get a job. No, I'm talking. I am talking about the uh, the ape shot. We have uh, our character, our main character, Ben. He's chasing after Elaine in a zoo, and when she meets up with him, uh, she is with her. No, she's meeting with her boyfriend at the time, Carl something. And when they meet up, uh, all three of them, it's sort of just Ben meets Carl and Carl says hi. And then he takes Elaine away and they sort of are going on a date and it leaves Ben by himself. And you see Ben at this monkey section and he's watching these two monkeys and they're holding each other. And they're it's like really rocking sweet. slightly. And then we cut to this shot, which is my favorite. It's Ben looking at it through the cage and he looks so sad. And then it's, um, it both racks focuses and zooms very far into the distance. It's like a manual zoom. It's so stupid. It's, it's, it's a weird looking zoom. There's a lot of stupid zooms, but I think they're just trying shit out. They're throwing yeah. shit at the wall and seeing what's And stuck. then it shows like a, a lone ape in the background who looks so sad and distraught. Yeah. And it's supposed to be sort of like, oh, these two monkeys are Carl and Elaine and the and ape by himself. Is you suck, but also it was kind of cool to see how sad the zoo was um, before that because I always heard about um, all movements to make zoos like really like happier for the animals and make yeah. them like whatever enrichment mm-hmm. and like the that with the two monkeys that were really happy with each other they were in a metal box there was nothing they in were. there it was a cold metal bench mm-hmm. and that's pretty it's it's really sad but that's really cool to see to see um, how we've gone like so how, far yeah how it used to be yeah. um because that's pretty incredible mm-hmm. but also i i looked it up the reason that this movie was so, um so important is that it set a precedent for just what movies were made and how they were cast oh. because just the idea of a college boy having an affair with a married woman was mm. so fucking like it was so taboo and it was just oh. not an okay thing no one liked the book when it came out it was a book so this um, is grown-ups too no everyone loves grown-ups too what do you mean that was people got tattoos of that i'm confident people got a grown-ups too okay. tattoo i mean but, yeah, um, it sure is yeah but like that's that's why um it's just because it was so just challenging to what movies got made and how yeah. they were cast is what people were saying mostly that's really cool i mean which is under the thinking about yeah. that in the time it, that makes sense the casting is really good there's not a single person that's like bad uh or doesn't fit their role i will say I, I, the parents aren't anything in the story, but that's obviously not on the actors. They didn't I just have don't think they were. Yeah, they they weren't given anything there. The no. parents were. I mean, um, like Ben's parents, our, our main character Ben. Yeah. Um, his parents are very. They allude to him a few times that like Ben, are you having is something going on? Do you have a lady friend that you're not telling us about? And you go, oh no, uh, why would uh, you say that? I yeah. drive for uh, twelve hours while I'm driving. Yeah, and then um. So we really don't get a lot of interaction with them. There's some at the beginning with the graduation party and then his 21st yeah. birthday. But past that point, it's really only like passing conversation that mm-hmm. we have. At that point, it's really the court 
the core of this movie is about um just that love triangle of elaine um honestly it's really mrs robinson really is out of play after i'll say the first hour she's she's out of there because at that point it's once elaine is introduced Mm -hmm. then he's he's totally google gaga for elaine he doesn't care about mrs robinson at all because he's totally like this is bad we can't anyway i love how they show that he's fallen head over heels because you see him so distant from everyone that's like the main thing we notice about him at first he goes to his graduation party he doesn't want to talk with anyone um, well that was before anything happened though that is true uh but, but i guess he, that was just he didn't know oh well sorry um because at the very beginning of this movie we get him and his dad talking about um in his in ben's room talking yeah. how he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life and so he's just kind of in that questioning he doesn't know where he's going to be going next yeah yeah uh and then we see him start to try to reach out to people with mrs robinson when he's just like uh before they do anything uh at the hotel he says hey can we talk a little bit beforehand i want you know i don't want to feel so lonely and she's like (laughs) and that's the sound of pussy makes yeah every time it was a pretty good it probably was a good good mark for them though Um, and then uh and then she would say no i don't want to talk with you get in bed yeah Um, you see him try to reach out with people at that point but mrs robinson doesn't care but when he starts talking with Elaine and he gets into a real conversation with her, uh, we sort of see them at a drive-thru and we can't hear them because they're in a car and we have uh, Simon and Garfunkel's big bright green pleasure machine playing. And I thought it was a very heartfelt moment and Nick is already shaking his head because he doesn't like this song. <laughs> I was thinking about ways to peel my skin off at that moment, I think. Um, yeah, but I th- that whole scene that just... Um, just from uh ben taking her to like the titty bar um oh yeah and then with that very talented woman with the pasties she was great um she's probably dead now also i just thought about that but um or she's someone's grandma dustin hoffman is still alive that's true so she could be alive and so we could find her and be like hey your tits were great in 1967 uh yeah we uh, mrs robinson makes uh ben swear you will not take out my daughter um she doesn't believe uh, he's good enough for her. I also imagine she doesn't want uh, the man who she's sleeping with to date her daughter. I think that's a pretty good role to set. She just doesn't want to share him. That's all it is. Yeah. That's what I thought it was going to be. But then it was just like we didn't get an explanation. It was just like, don't yeah. see my daughter. I just, I don't know what it is. I think she took him because he's a little bit of a coward so she was like he was good to sort of have as an affair i mean but i don't want she doesn't want that quality for like you know her son-in-law i mean at the i don't think it's because of that but at okay. the beginning there you hear those women at the graduation party like at the start start um mm-hmm. they're like oh he's such a lamb like as he's walking away oh yeah and i think that's literally like um that was her thought process is like it's just sweet little innocent kid um like he didn't even have that was his first time with her that was um and she was like giggling about it but (laughs) i what was the thing you just said uh um... because uh mrs robinson had made that vow to um or because ben had made that vow um, to mrs robinson yeah when his parents started forcing him to go on a date with elaine just because just to be nice um Ben goes, okay, Mrs. Robinson, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get her on the worst date ever, and I'm never going to talk to her again. And Mrs. Robinson's like, I'll kill you because of this. How dare you do this? So they go out on a date, and the first thing they do is they go to a strip bar. 
and there's... I wasn't saying, like, repeat the entire thing. I was just saying, like, no, the I'm... very last part that you said. We already said that part. I know. I, I was just listening back to where we were, just to give some context. Uh, oh, dang it. Hmm. Um, what are some of there are some really great parts in this movie. Man, I had a whole, I had a whole thing I was gonna say. That's why I was asking you to repeat it. I'm I lost sorry. it now. No, it's alright. Uh, um, mm. we're just gonna cut that chunk. Okay. But, um, what do you, what do you think is the metaphor behind the scuba gear? I love the scuba gear. I think that um, when Ben goes into the water deep down and then he tries to surface back up, his father pushes him down. I think that's all just um, symbolism for Ben trying to break out of his shell and be his own person um, in a relationship. But, you know, the the father, the parent, the Mrs. Robinson is pushing him back down into the water um, where he still can breathe and do everything fine, but he everything is distorted around him and he's not exactly there. Um, and then he probably gets out and like jacks it. And that's probably something with Elaine, but you know, when did you get your PhD? What? <laughs> yeah, dude, my, <laughs> I forgot that you can do that really well. If I ask <laughs> you to do, yeah. If I, yeah, if I ask you a stupid question, you're always going to bring out a really good, stupid answer. <laughs> I forgot that you can do that. But, uh, that, that whole thing, that whole bit was just when on his 21st birthday, Ben's dad gives him scuba gear and he's like, <laughs> like the whole family's outside and he's like, all right guys, this young man's going to come out and Ben doesn't want to. And he's like, you're disappointing them. You're disappointing them. And then it's just this long drawn out, like POV shot from inside the scuba gear of him, like walking out to the pool slowly and everyone looking at him. His dad's talking to him. We can't hear anything. All we hear is like a... <laughs> It's so it's so good. It's oh my gosh, I, I I think my favorite part there. Okay, where's Berkeley? Because they're near Berkeley, right? I don't necessarily know, but what I noticed is they use the scuba gear in the pool. That's it. Yeah, it's never. Do it they never shows live up again in the near movie. the ocean? What is? Does he have an interest in scubaing? Because he got a journalism reward, I think, didn't he? Uh, I think he was something know. in journalism, but I, I I don't know. The start of the movie was a mess because there were so many people talking, and it's mostly just to establish, oh, he really doesn't like talking California. to people. California, Berkeley's in California. Okay, well then maybe scuba gear might come in handy. It's, he still never went to the beach. <laughs> he still never went to the beach. Gotta, maybe that's what they were doing at the end. He could have like stalked on Elaine with his scuba gear in that like five minutes. He was just stalking her to get married. And then it works. It worked out for him. So I don't get that. But. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, Carl. I, I, my favorite part about Carl, which is barely on screen, he's just sort of the rivalry that happens at the end where Elaine's thinking of marrying two guys. It's either going to be Carl or it's going to be Ben. And Carl gets picked just because um, at first, or mostly just because uh, he slept with her mom. And also because at some point... Uh, Mrs. Robinson tells not only uh, Elaine, but Mr. Robinson that uh, Ben had raped her to try to take all blame away from herself. Um, but I, the th- my favorite thing about Carl is he has this sort of group around him. He's in some sort of fraternity. And as, as we noticed, everyone in that fraternity looks like Hitler youth. 
<laughs> yeah, they were all blonde hair, blue eye. It was really weird. They were all like bowl cuts and tan. It was very, I don't know. It was it was just, it was really off putting because I just didn't expect it at all. They were like carbon copies of each other. They, he has to go to the, the fraternity to find out where the wedding is so he can interrupt it with a beautiful scene. But you just see him going in there like, "Hey, can you tell me where?" This guy isn't supposed to be there. And then they just grab more of each other and say, hey, where's Carl? <laughs> hey, Carl? We're all in the shower and stuff. And they're all just yelling at each other. And, and then um, on the like when they're leaving, um, one of the buddies of Carl is like, hey, tell him to save a piece for me. And they're like, ha 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 of the cake. And so, and so I wasn't like, talking about his yeah, fiance. They're insinuating that Elaine's a whore. And I think that's quite funny. <laughs> but then also, why was that guy showering with... He had the option. There was a curtain. He just didn't close the curtain. Pride. No. I don't... Pride. No. Um, what, if he, what if he had poop ass? Everyone would have saw that. Well, I imagine... Everybody. He, what if he checks for poop ass before? How does he do it? He can't see a mirror. He doesn't have a mirror. You hand it. You gotta do a check every once in a while. Yeah, you stick. Why do you have all these white note cards in your pocket? Shut up. <laughs> um. uh, I, speaking of like uh, st- uh, stupid answers, or I guess just like you know being bullshitting on the fly. My favorite, one of my favorite scenes is when he's trying to. He got to um, Santa Monica or Santa Barbara, where he knows the wedding is, yeah. and he goes through the phone book there at this gas station, and he's flipping through. He's tear- tearing out the pages, and then he gets on the line with. Uh, the doctor who is Carl's dad um, and he's the some receptionist picks up and he's she's like what's going on and he just goes I am the doctor's brother uh, whatever Reverend Smith yeah Reverend Smith <laughs> I need to get there ASAP I'm delivering the eulogy or whatever yeah like, I'm, the... I'm, uh, I'm the priest at the wedding whatever it is yes um, and I, I, I forgot where the church is and then she she's like oh check this one and yeah he said awesome and then he just goes up to the gas station clerk who overheard that and says, yeah. which way to this street? He's Where's like, Allen Street? Huh? Uh, uh, yeah. That way. And then he just rushes off. Yeah. The, he uh, like, he what does kind a, of car is it? It's an Alfa, Alfa Romeo. And he Alfa totally, Romeo. he just jumps over the door, jumps, it's convertible. So jumps yeah. into the driver's seat. And as he's, as he's doing that, the guy at the gas, the gas station is like, do you need any gas, father? As he's like, <laughs> like peeling the fuck yeah. out. It was so good. The car comedy in this, I really love. Um, well, just like, I love how tiny it is. And every time he skirts in and skirts out, it looks stupid. But the favorite shot of mine is they're, fa- they're going to, um, he's on a date with Elaine and she, he's dropping her off and she's like, no, he says, you want to spend some more time together? And she's like, sure, we can go to a bar. So he drives off and then she says, we should go to Tass, which is the bar, which is the hotel where they, where, where? Mr. Mrs. Robinson and Bennett and having the affair. And he immediately hits the curve super violently just because he got shocked. And she's like, whoa, are you okay? It's like, yeah, you sure they have drinks yeah, there? you think they have a bar? <laughs> and then as, as he walks into that hotel, every um, since he's been going there to Mrs. Robinson before just so many times, uh, every single attendant at the hotel is like, good, good evening, evening, sir. Mr. Nice to see you, sir. It's good evening. And then this really small guy with a really high pitched voice just walks by. He was it, really fucking. Cool. Yeah, that was so funny. It was. I didn't, Every dude. movie. This is an opinion I'm always going to have. Nothing will change this opinion of mine. Every movie is better if there's a really short person in it at some point, unexpectedly. Like Mini Me. Mini Me. 
Uh, I think at some point nobody knew about. Um, God, I'm blanking on the name. The Justin people. Bieber, yeah. He Justin Bieber. I was thinking of Willy Wonka and the uh, and the chocolate people. There's so much nothing in this movie. Like not nothing, but there's so much. It's not exactly something I can talk about. You know. This is. I think we've talked a lot about what there is to say. The big thing about movies that are around this time is there's less production going into it as we would nowadays. This was very much. Um, uh, like a camera and a microphone kind of yeah kind camera, of production microphone there was some lighting and we were dogging on the lighting in one scene it was the scene it was at mrs robinson's house when they go in her living room i f- felt like it was a set because all the plants are outside of her window are like directly outside of the window and look like yeah. they're spaced very close together so you like can't just see outside yeah. yeah which is fine i don't care but come on <laughs> for continuity sake, just get well, a normal house but whatever um, i will say if it is a set it's really interesting how they built it because they show a lot of 360 shots so they built yeah. the whole thing it's not like it's a uh a third wall yeah, it definitely would have been just a house that they built on a in a studio but yeah in a sound i don't know actually now think, thinking about it now i can't imagine that they would have done that considering that this movie almost didn't get made um yeah uh, that so that probably was just a house. They might have been just obscuring it for, just for background, just so that they don't have to worry about. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's like an overlook of some sort. Maybe that just looks nicer. Maybe the owner just had really bad design. Maybe Mrs. Robinson is just a drunk and doesn't know what to do with her plants. Oh yeah, she is an alcoholic. Yeah. And that's never mentioned, nope. except to highlight the fact that Elaine was a mistake. Yeah, that is a big. The, the whole reason that Mrs. Robinson is on Very this, um, yeah, is on this bender with um, just ch- this affair um, is that she didn't want to get married in the first place when she was in college. Her and uh, Mr. Robinson, her now husband, um, had sex in a Ford, which they kind of has like, haha, funny. Um, <laughs> and then and then they get she gets pregnant. They have to get married. And she used to be into art, and mm-hmm. over the years, she just lost all interest in it, and then she was an alcoholic, and just, they don't even sleep in the same beds. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's his fault they're getting divorced. It's Ben's fault. Nothing could have predicted this. To be fair, if Ben didn't, if Ben didn't fuck her, I don't think they would have gotten a divorce. That's they, fair. They she would have just, just been unhappy Yeah, forever. she would have just died unhappy, is what it would have been. That's fair. I guess she's probably still going to die unhappy. One casting... I wasn't fond of at first, or at least I wasn't um, like moved by that. I found myself moved by Mr. Robinson at the start. He's sort of just like uh, this uh, guy. Generic ass. Yeah. Generic man. He's really happy for Ben and he's really nice. But once you see him more agitated, uh, once he finds out about the affair and going up to Ben and getting very aggressive, um, you see a different side of him. And I really like the switch up because he sort of goes from feeling like, Oh, this is a dope doesn't matter to not feeling threatened but feeling like he has like some ground to stand yeah and through that whole time it didn't he wasn't gonna like he wasn't there to choke ben out he was was just just there there to to tell ben like hey you ruined my life thank you and then left i love yeah that was that was was also um well it was hard but um Mm -hmm. earlier there elaine when they're talking to ben and elaine are talking to each other in an Mm -hmm. apartment um at berkeley um elaine ends up screaming because of something ben says about her about her mother yes and then 
everyone at the like in the building like the comes dorm, to the door yeah. and they're like hey what's going on and the guy the like the landlord there or whatever he's like hey i want you out of here and he's like why and he's like it don't matter i want i don't like you i want you out of here but look at her and he opens yeah the and door. they open the door and he's like look she's drinking water she's so happy not at gunpoint but either way he's like i want you out of here and then he stays for like two more weeks until yeah. the whole thing he, with her dad happens and then he's like i want you out <laughs> i oh i've been thinking about that for so long you hear a yelp you hear a yelp in a different room you come out because you think someone's in danger you see everybody looking at a door and everybody's like that was a woman's scream who is that it's like it's fine it's like are you sure is she okay and he opens the door and there's just this girl who looks really sad drinking water. It's like, look, she's drinking water. Look, she's drinking she's water. She's fine. Look, here she is drinking water. He looked like upset about it. He was like, God, you guys are really making me put out for this. Like, look what I got to do. <laughs> and they're like, they all really just go like, oh, she's drinking Yeah, they're water. like, well, she does look hydrated. Okay. <laughs> and then they leave. So, okay. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this or do you want to rate it? Um, I mean, really, I can't, I can't think of anything else. Um, uh, just overall i think my favorite thing about the movie it was just the camera work um mm-hmm. there were some goofy zooms um they were just they were, it didn't really take me out of it a lot of time it was just an odd choice but yeah. like i said i think they were just kind of playing with it and seeing mm-hmm. what was good but um a lot of things they did try and i'm sure were new um in this movie i think it, it all just worked out really well like this movie did just feel very um Aside from the sound, the mm-hmm. just the really the mix and just the music overall, yeah. um, this movie it was fairly timeless, because um, really this oh, was yeah. this was a you can tell the story in any in any capacity it's still gonna work. Um, I think you're right. And I, at I don't think no matter what the the decade we're gonna be in, we can all um, relate to just some people having an affair and then just like that love triangle thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important for that show to have this movie can live on this long um being in 1967 and we're talking about it in 2023 that's pretty incredible but um overall i think i'm gonna give this movie uh i'm gonna say a 3.5 i think is my what's what's interesting about that is you told me before this the sound on this will take a star and a half off which means if it were a different soundtrack it would be a perfect five for me yeah it was really good I, i really enjoyed a lot of this movie i think um the like i said the pacing wasn't necessarily bad it was just a part of the times and i think it's fairly timeless and just if the soundtrack was a little different so that it would highlight certain parts of the movie better then i think it would be almost perfect yes i think for me i i like all the points you make about this being what seems to be a timeless story i think for me two things take it a little bit higher um one this really i guess scratches an itch i didn't know i had just how this video is displayed, how the story is told. It's something that I think... It's very raw. Yeah, it's very raw. I like the aesthetic it's going for, and I like everything about it um, in that sense. It made it feel as if it's just something that I could watch forever, anything in that style. And then I'm also born and raised to be obsessed with Simon and Garfunkel. My mother raised me that way. I love um, them, and I probably always will. For that... Even though I don't think the soundtrack was placed where it should be, I also love those songs to death. So I think I'm going to give it a five. I think this is probably one of the best uh, movies I've seen in a while. So we're ending this with a 3.5 from you and a five from me. Uh, Do you want to get in the news? 
yeah, I mean, first, just where we can start. I mean, last week, we, uh, last Friday on the 4th, we yeah. had a, um, there was a meeting between the, just the strikers and all the, what would you say? WGA the, and executives. They have their yeah. own abbreviation, like AMTPV or something like Whatever, that. Whatever, movie know. studio people and the writers and actors came yeah. together and they had a meeting on the 4th that was basically just to see if both parties were willing and able to negotiate um and what happened is the executives um blew a big fart and said and so now we're gonna wait until what was it like october yeah or something like that executives say for right now that they're gonna wait until october to make a deal hoping that by that time um writers will be uh out of funds they're going to be uh begging to get any sort of deal, one that will be against their interest and not meeting their demands. Hmm. Um, luckily, the WGA um, support fund has stayed strong right around here, so people yeah. should be able to keep funding uh, you know, rent and food and stuff like that. And if, you, and if any of you do want to help, you can go to sagafter.org slash get involved, and then you should be able mm-hmm. to go there, and then um, the there's just a bunch actually, of all yeah. the links. Well, they're... They have WGA stuff, too. Yeah, it, they're That's awesome. through. So, um, yeah, and so all everything you donate there just helps people get food on the table, get rent paid, everything like that. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that this does get solved soon, but I do think this strike is healthy for a lot of reasons. It does show um, a lot of uh, the Hollywood uh, area how like resolved and strong actors and writers are, and how they will like fight for what they demean, what they think is fair for themselves. I also think that this allows for a lot of us to get over blockbuster fatigue, um, especially with superhero films. We're getting a big pause right now on Marvel projects, and Marvel really needs that. Um, Marvel's needed that for years. It's needed it for years. Um, they really have oversaturated the market. And we're seeing a really good um, mix of different films right now. Like, this has been a great summer for movies. There have been some bad ones that we've been getting out of our system. But we got Oppenheimer. We got Barbie. We got uh, Spider-Verse. We've been getting a lot of quality films this summer. Yeah, Spider-Verse was okay. <laughs> I'm still gonna think Spider Verse. I thought I have a lot of problems with Spider Verse, but we'll talk about that someday, maybe. Okay. Um, I think one thing that's, I, I think we just need more, not necessarily low budget films, but lower than mm-hmm. fucking five hundred billion dollars. Yeah. And then if it doesn't make half of that in the first two days, we're getting rid of it all. Yeah. Like, cause that's horrible. Just for um, for I guess franchising, and then just for any. Just for movies, if you have that expectation, it's going to be the best movie ever made. Then it's not. You're never going to have your projects meet what you want. We really should be shooting in Hollywood for probably a hundred million or less. Obviously, we have to take into account high budget actors when we yeah. talk about. I mean, that. people trying to get us to. We're just we just cost a lot too. So I think two hundred yeah. million for us personally would probably two, be yeah. more around our range. But if people do want to get in contact with us, I think five hundred is just a good starting point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if we're going to be doing a Wham movie, a billion dollar budget is really how we're going to start negotiations, mm-hmm. but expect it to reach about two billion. When it gets into the box office, the five dollars you'll make will really pay off for that. So I yeah. think that's just basic. Mm-hmm. And then the a lot of the Bulgarians, they will need them, but they'll cost a lot, but it'll be worth it. Trust me. Um, we're not doing a film way. unless we cast all of Bulgaria. 
Listen, buddy, I'm not doing this unless I get every person in that sheet. I want your whole country in that call sheet. We're just with just one shot of like a satellite image of Bulgaria count, and we're like, yeah, that'll do. They're in there, but it has to last thirty minutes. Sure, that'll be it. That's um, the Wham movie. Um, <laughs> God, that'd be so stupid. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping it does help with. Um, uh, just our fatigue and the quality of movies last yeah. time we had a strike like this in 2007 over dvd royalties um mm-hmm. we had really shit movies for a few years and we also um, had including a... the first transformers um <laughs> we also had uh what was it that spike in reality tv yeah because that... they couldn't use actors so they went like things like the bachelor and all those that's when those all just took imagine off. if uh producers and executives had given into the demands of writers at the beginning of the strike there would be no kardashians to care about dude the 2007 writer strikes is probably why like wipeout was such a good show <laughs> oh my god you remember wipeout oh my I god i love the wipeout i need I'm i gonna, had the wii game i had the wii game too i love yeah it. wipeout was good we did see stuff like that grow i wonder yeah. how how many can we tie that to was that american ninja warrior um that was a few years later yeah, what about uh what about you remember on cartoon network the wall oh yeah hole in the wall hole yeah the wall. that was cool oh uh, destroy build destroy <laughs> destroy bu- I, that uh, wasn't dude scripted. oh dude dude, dude what would happen that w- i guess that wouldn't be scripted no because it was technically them just doing like building stuff they would just be prompted on what to build but they were just acting like themselves is that literally the only reason why there was such a spike in uh, live action content on Cartoon that Network? That makes so much sense. <laughs> but we could also be talking out of our ass. Yeah, but that would make a lot of sense. In, when did, in my um, mind, what, that's what happened. Let me Google when okay. did um when did Destroy when did, Build Destroy start? Do, destroy Build Destroy. Do what will happen and Hole in the Wall. We're around the same time. We watch. Yeah. I remember watching them like back to back. Um, two thousand nine. Build Destroy. Oh my god. Let me see. Hole um, in the wall. When did hole in the wall? <laughs> Our childhoods are built off of labor strikes. 2008. <gasps> oh my what god. Was the other one? What did we say? Um, do what will happen. happen. That one might have been scripted. I wouldn't be surprised if that was just like, bec- like, I don't know. At 2009. Wow. Wow. Action reality. Yeah. No. Wow. Yeah, so all those, all those, I've never thought about that. That's totally why oh we had God. all those um, live action shows. That's really cool, actually. But that is really cool. That also destroys a little bit of my childhood. It's I, like, that makes, I think that's cool. I think yeah, it cool. explains. It's like how you learn how Jesse was supposed to die in the first season of Breaking Bad, but they didn't write that episode uh, because of the writer's strike, so they kept him. That, I think, is one of the best like facts that I learned about the writer's strike. Science bitch yeah i love him that's what he says (laughs) all the time uh what other news do we have uh the uh trailer for the continental has come out the uh spinoff for john wick i don't get why they're doing that while also doing a john wick 5 didn't uh yeah yeah um spoilers spoilers if you haven't seen john wick 4 john wick dies Um, yeah how did how well is it his dog? His dog comes back to life. Well, you, you, you've heard of beating a dead horse, right? Are they going to beat a dead wick? Beat a dead dog. And he comes back as a zombie. I don't believe you. No, of course it's not. Yeah, but like, what are they even going to do? I, I it would no just be his daughter or something? Do. I don't know. I'm sure I really his don't. wife or something. Does he have a wife? I don't remember. 
he had a wife and she died of like cancer. I'm gonna be real. I haven't seen any John Wick movies. Ever, I saw the so. first one and it was okay. And then uh, I, I know he told kills a lot of guys. Yeah, he kills a lot of dudes. He does a pretty. He's pretty good at that. Um, oh, here's one that you'd like. They should name him Mr. Kill. Uh, a, a day ago, this was the news. Uh, it was the 10 year anniversary of We're the Millers. Fuck that movie, dude. That movie's so <laughs> shit. <laughs> I've been trying to get us to watch it on Wham, but he really doesn't want I to. I don't want to watch We Are the Millers whatsoever <laughs> at all. I'd rather listen to Simon and Garfunkel like cemented into my ears than watch We Are the Millers. <laughs> I like Jason Sudeikis. That's his name, the main guy. And then there's what? Bill Porter? Will Porter? The guy that was in Guardians of the Galaxy 5? No, I 3. I haven't seen that either. Oh yeah, you have. It's on streaming now, though. I'm down to watch that so with you. If we you could, really so we could, we could probably wham that one week. Um, what else? Sonic the Hedgehog three is gonna film without actors because CG stuff. And Jim Carrey's not acting anymore. So he's not gonna be Eggman. Yeah, that's really Jim Carrey's so good. But he's why? Great. It kind of sucks. His last roles were Eggman. It, yeah, <laughs> that's really unfortunate. That and comedians in cars getting coffee. Well, he was just, like, batshit on that, though, so that's okay. That's just him, but, I mean, his actual, like, role, like, that sucks. But Jim Carrey is such a cool guy. Like, yeah. I was saying this before. Um, Jim Carrey is the kind of crazy where, like, I want to I sit down with him kind of crazy. Uh, just because he just seems, like, a lot, always. Um, and it's not as I, that I want to talk to him, but I want to be able to say that I've experienced that, uh, that being. <laughs> yeah. Just get like a T-shirt that says "I met Jim Carrey" and all I got is this mark across my face. No, I survived Jim Carrey. That's what it's gonna be. Uh, I really, it would not be surprised if there was like a oh he beat his wife thing. Yeah, I, that's a bad thing for me to say because I also like him, but it's also like I'm so ready to drop my um, my uh, attraction to him. I don't think he'd beat his wife. I mm. think he would like scream and yell and like verbally abuse i don't think he'd hit her i don't think he's a hitter i think he's that's a fair he would be he's he's a he's a manipulator yeah i think he's a yeller i think he's a what yeah. i would love to see is that becomes a, a controversy and then the video comes out and it's just like him yelling how he does in the mask and everybody's like okay yeah that's bad but like i'm gonna keep this forever because it's so funny yeah that's bad but also it's pretty silly <laughs> <laughs> all right um well, I, do we have any more news that we really want to say? Or? Oh, yeah. Miley Cyrus is dead. Thank God. Um, but I hope you all enjoyed. Um, this was Wham. You've been Wham. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe.